Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. It's the 15th of April, 2012, and I'm happy to be with you next week, by the way. I just realized it's uh, Earth Day. Maybe we'll do a special program for Earth Day a week from today, April 22nd. But if you're with us live today, it's the 15th, and it's 1 o'clock Pacific. It's 4 o'clock in the East. It's 20 hours universal time. And our topic today is turning fear into excitement. You know, fear and excitement in the minds of most people most of the time seem to be opposites, about as opposite as two things could get, opposites like end zones in a football field or the opposite ends of a basketball court or a hockey arena. Uh, fear is way over here and excitement is way over there. Well, in fact, they're two forms of the same thing. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the relationship of oh no to oh boy. (laughs) And just how close together these two ideas really are and how we can quite easily take any fear or anxiety or worry or doubt or nervousness, and as soon as we're aware of it, take a breath, and as you exhale, feel the letting go, and lift that fear into excitement. That's the takeaway today. We're going to talk about it a little bit here in the free forum. We'll also do a meditation and visualization exercise, as we usually do. And then in the premium training that follows in about Oh, almost 30 minutes at half past the hour for an additional 90 minutes. We're going to wade into the whole idea of motives and motivation and what gets you going. You see, really there are only two motives, two reasons ultimately that anybody does anything or refuses to do anything. And those two motives can be described as I already have, is oh boy and oh no. They're basically love and fear. All right, Moving toward what you do want or moving away from what you do not want. And the irony about only avoiding what you don't want, using fear as a motive, is you tend to replicate it. Because we tend to look at, to fixate upon, or even obsess over what it is we want to avoid. And if you look at the very thing you try to avoid, you end up being attracted to it. Now, for most people, throughout their entire lives, goals are not moving toward what they do want, but trying to avoid what they don't want. And then, As I say, they tend to create that over and over again because they're looking at it. I think the perfect example of this is probably known to anybody who has ever skied or perhaps uh, skateboarded or ridden a motorcycle uh, or a snowmobile or something like that. Um, 
you don't see it so much in an automobile or driving around in a truck or an SUV or something because you got four wheels on the ground and it's pretty easy to look at something you want to avoid and turn away from it. But that same situation on a motorcycle where weight and shifting weight and your center of gravity is involved in a unconscious or subconscious level or skateboarding or skiing if you look at what you're trying to avoid you'll find it almost impossible to avoid it everything that you do in terms of shifting your weight or on the motorcycle turning the wheel or on the skateboard or skis bending your knees and sitting back or digging in your poles or shifting your way. If you look at what it is you're trying to avoid, you're going to hit it. Because everything you consciously attempt to do to avoid the object you're paying attention to is going to be countermanded by the subconscious mind attempting to give you what you look at. You see, this is the law of cause and effect, the law of attraction. It's called in the secret. Uh, Christ talked about reaping what you sow. And karma is, of course, a well-known Eastern philosophy, not of reward and punishment so much as, again, just generally reaping whatever it is that you sow. You plant corn, you're going to get corn. You plant weed seeds or <laughs> whatever the wind blows into your your garden and that's exactly what the garden is going to produce in computer lingo it's g-i-g-o garbage in garbage out the quality of the product is directly related to the quality of what you put into the darn thing and that's what karma is that's what cause and effect is that's why the golden rule is a cornerstone of civilization and philosophy in general because people behave the way everything else in life behaves. What you put your attention on, you tend to create. Consciousness or awareness expands in that very direction. Now, there are times when you have to take a quick peek at what it is that you want to avoid in life there's nothing wrong with that, looking at this and saying, no, I don't want that, and then turning away from it. But you have to put your attention on what you do want, because, again, we tend to go where we look, um, create what we expect, manifest what it is that we pay attention to. So it's very important, in just in terms of basic motive, much less the idea of having a clear, specific goal, to be aware of the difference between fear and excitement, between oh no and oh boy, and really the just the closeness of the relationship, which suggests that we ought to be able to manage easily our fear into excitement. That's what we're going to talk about today. I think a great example of this right off the top is the fact that if you want to do something exciting, it has to have an element of danger or at least some perceived danger. I mean, what's so thrilling about a roller coaster 
as opposed to the merry-go-round? Well, the chance that you could die. (laughs) Not really. It's all an illusion. You're strapped in and buckled up, and you're really very, very safe on the roller coaster. But it's a hell of a ride. It's intended to, you know, actually frighten you and to create a sense of danger that we find exciting and thrilling. So fear and excitement on a roller coaster, it's like, are you afraid? Well, yeah, a little bit. Are you excited? Yeah, a little bit. Well, hey, which is it? Well, it's it's both. I'm old enough to remember Disneyland in the old days. You used to get a, a, a book of tickets that went from A through E. And if you've ever heard the phrase E-ticket, well, today that means electronic. But it used to mean that was the most expensive or the premium event, the best event. And then you had uh, other tickets, the safest and sort of the little kid rides were the A tickets and the B tickets, right? The A ticket was really uh, like a merry-go-round or some safe little ride that only the little kids went on. So you always gave your A tickets away. You didn't want uh, these silly A tickets. There's no danger. There's, (laughs) There's no thrill. There's no excitement. There's really no fun in the A-ticket. Give me your E-tickets, boy. I want all the E-tickets. That's an E-ticket ride, the the Matterhorn, the, the Haunted House. I haven't been to Disneyland in years, but, you know, those were the really fun and exciting uh, events and features of the park. So this whole idea that to do something exciting – You have to find something where there's going to be an element of fear, even if it's just imagined fear. And so people who look for excitement on vacation, for example, might go whitewater rafting. Well, what makes that fun? The fact that you're going fast and that there's an element of danger in there. Or maybe uh, rock climbing. Yeah, there are some things that we can do that are enjoyable in spite of the fact they may not be very exciting, like um, maybe coming out here to Hawaii and and laying on the beach for a week. I'm just going to sit in the sun and and, uh, sip daiquiris or something. Not real exciting, but I bet if you do that, if you come out here and sit on the beach for a week, you're going to think about, well, I wonder if I should rent a jet ski Or, I wonder if I should go parasailing. That looks like fun. Or, you know, a friend of mine told me about a helicopter ride where they fly over the top of the crater and then they zoom down inside the volcano crater and then they fly the helicopter through these beautiful canyons. And Well, that's a little bit scary and fun. You see my point? You see the relationship? And yet there are so many times in our lives where we get stuck in the fear and we're not sure how to get way over here to the other end, the excitement. And it's the easiest thing in the world. You breathe and relax. Now, there are many people in the personal development movement that will quote the adage, 
fear plus breath equals excitement. You hear that a lot. All you have to do is breathe. Well, breathing is a big part of it. To take a nice, slow, deep breath and then exhale in many ways does promote relaxation. But more than the breath itself is the relaxation. If you breathe and hold on to muscular tension, you're holding on to your fear. It's not just a matter of breathing. Although, again, I'll concede the point. Usually a slow, deep breath or two, a conscious, uh, I mean, that exhale, that uh, that sigh of relief is a sigh of release. It usually promotes some relaxation. But if you bring to mind the fact that the reason you're breathing is to let go of the fear, you don't have to fight it off. We don't really overcome fear, you see. We release it. For those of you who are note takers, that's a good one to write down. Whenever somebody says you have to overcome your fear, they either don't understand the process or they're not being critical with their language. You need to be careful with your language. You don't conquer fear. You don't beat fear. You don't vanquish fear. You drop it. You, <laughs> you, you release it. You let it go. And that feeling comes from a slow, deep breath, and a, particularly as you exhale, ah, you create and sense that letting go feeling. And that will convert in the brain in the subconscious mind, in your body, feelings of fear into feelings of excitement, feelings of, oh no, into feelings of, oh boy, and shift you from the whole defensive fight-or-flight response into a sense of adventure and excitement, move you forward so that you can do your best. Consider that there really are only two motives, love and fear, fear and love. Consider this in the context of parenting, for example. Our business management's another example, too. Most people, even with MBAs who should know better, manage people in business the way they were parented just as we parent the way we were parented and do the same things we promised ourselves we would never do. Boy, I'll never treat my kids the way my parents treated me. But it becomes autonomic. It's so automatic that the same mistakes are repeated again and again. It's like an alcoholic who is raised by parents who are alcoholics or drug users and they say, boy, I'll never put my kids through that. And then here they are drinking and using and, uh, you know, behaving in the same codependent ways that their parents did. And it just gets passed on again because most of the reasons for the behavior remain in the subconscious mind beyond the reach of conscious awareness. Most of us aren't very conscious very much of the time. 
So we tend to repeat those mistakes unconsciously. And you can see this in business, in management. Uh, this is the weak link in most business is people skills. There is a book I read probably 20 years ago called The E-Myth or The Executive Myth. And the E-Myth was the idea, according to the author, that because you're good at something, you also will be good in business managing people when in fact people skills are the weak link in almost every business. Just because you know banking doesn't mean you're going to be a good banker if you don't have good people skills. You could be a, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. The butcher knows how to cut meat, knows everything about cutting meat. Uh, the baker can make the finest bread and rolls and buns and and <laughs> whatever. Candlestick maker knows everything about dipping candles, making different kinds of candles. But do they have people skills? Think of your bosses, right? Think of especially the bosses that were hard to work for. Uh, they may have known the business. They may have been really good at what they did. But could they empathize? Did they understand you? How did they treat you? Most people don't really have this down. And again, even people with uh, MBAs, master's degrees in business administration, this is often their weak link. And it's not commonly understood the best way to motivate people is love and vision. Excitement is our topic for the day today, as opposed to fear, uh, threats. Now, the tempting thing, whether we're talking about business management or parenting, the tempting part of using fear is that it really works. In the short term, it's a great way to elicit behavior. So you threaten your children. You tell them if they don't do this, there are going to be consequences. There will be punishment. I mean, even karma is interpreted by many people who should know better as a system of reward and punishment. There is no punishment in karma. Karma is merely a magnetic approach to the way the universe provides the very lessons that you need as you need them in order to grow. It's just a law of the universe. It's not... God micromanaging with a big game controller in the sky deciding to zap you because you were bad or reward you because you were good. Whether you see that in the sense of Western religion or karma as an Eastern philosophy, it's an oversimplified and really incorrect belief system. And yet, it's what parents often will do. What else are they going to do? All I know to do is punish you. So there have to be consequences for your actions. And, okay, if you do something well, I'll give you a little reward. But most of the energy goes into punishing as if that's going to teach the lesson. Punishment is not the best way to teach a lesson. And 
sometimes there have to be negative consequences or punishment in parenting and probably in business management too. I'm just saying that there are many, many occasions, perhaps the majority of occasions, when we resort to fear as a motive, that if we were only a little more conscious and only a little more clever, we could find a much better way of motivating people with love and vision, with understanding, with what we're calling, oh boy, or excitement today. Converting fear into excitement, oh no, and oh boy, is just a way of saying motivating with love and vision as opposed to a fear of reprisals or punishment. All right. But again, the temptation is, well, fear really works, right? So you you tell a little kid, uh, you better stay in bed. If you get out of that bed one more time, there's a boogeyman in the closet that's going to grab you and eat you alive. <laughs> or whatever is the, the threat. What a horrible thing to say to your kids. My parents did that. They tried to pull that on me. And the funny thing was that my conscious mind knew they were lying to me. I may have only been four or five years old, but I knew that was ridiculous. I don't know how I knew, but I knew they were lying. There was no boogie. I guess I figured if there really was, they would have done something about it, right? <laughs> like they would have locked the closet door or gotten the boogeyman out from under the bed or called the boogeyman police or something. I mean, what is a boogeyman anyway? I don't even know. But even though consciously I knew it wasn't true, that they were jiving me and just threatening me to try to get me to stay in bed, and they are partying in the front room. I just wanted to have some fun and be, you know, part of the party. One of the reasons I stay up late, even in my adulthood now, is I'm always afraid I'm going to miss something. I've talked to people who get up early, and I say, why do you get up early? They say, I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. So <laughs> whether you get up early or stay up late, it's usually because we don't want to miss anything. But my subconscious mind, my imagination, in other words, would nevertheless dream up a image or a vision of this frightful boogeyman or monster under the bed or in the closet. So even though my conscious mind knew they were, they were jiving me, this was all BS, my subconscious mind, my imagination was saying, yeah, but if it were true, it would probably look like this. And here's this vision of this monster. So fear works. That's the temptation to use it in parenting and to use it in business. If you don't perform, I'm going to fire you. You're out of here. Because there's 15 other people standing in the unemployment line that will do your job and probably do it better and probably for less money. So the best way to motivate you is fear. Well, when we get that from our parents as little kids and we learn the lesson well early on, and then we get the same thing in school from a teacher that is threatening you with low grades or flunking out of school or you won't be cool if you get 
bad. So some schools, you're not cool if you get good grades. But all the, all these threats, right? You want to get to uh, college, don't you? You want to uh, be successful in life, don't you? So the the you know threat is there. I mean, if it were only this is a way to be successful and here are the rewards of success, that'd be one thing. But it's usually framed as some sort of threat. You want to avoid the bad grade. You want to avoid flunking or having to repeat a grade. And then you go out into the workplace and you run into the same thing in the workplace. So what we're going to talk about in the premium training is in greater depth, this whole issue of turning fear into excitement with a slow, deep, conscious breath and a feeling of letting go. And if you want to close your eyes right now, we just have a couple of minutes and breathe. Feel that in-breath pulling in power, and then as you exhale, ah, feel the letting go. What you're releasing is muscular tension. That tension came from fear. And as you release the fear, as you allow the muscles to let go, to unwind, ah, to soften, and then with eyes closed, that slow breathing and that letting go of muscular tension, those are really three messages to the subconscious mind that you're safe. Three messages that you can focus your concentration. And now we begin to think in a positive way about what we do want and move toward it with a sense of adventure and excitement that motivates us to do it again and again and again and again. And it becomes a habit, a positive habit that replaces the fear-based negative habit. It's as easy as breathing and letting go to turn oh no into oh boy. Hope you'll join us for the premium training. We're all going to run over there now. And if you're not yet enrolled, just go to theagelesswisdom.com. The W's dot theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars and then premium training. You can sign up for one class or a series in a matter of seconds. Just use your bank card, your ATM card, and it's uh, easy peasy. And we'll see you over there in a few minutes. Thanks for being with us in the free forum today at the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Be gentle, love life, and care for each other. Aloha from Maui, Hawaii. This is Michael Benner.